Welcome to another podcast from our vibrant community here at South Mims University. If this is the first of our podcasts that you've downloaded, welcome. You're going to be amazed by the intellectual delights that we have in store for you. Please subscribe and stay at the cutting edge of academic thought. The kind of thinking that you just don't get from most other universities or educational establishments. We don't think just outside the box. We think underneath it, above it and around it. But that's outside the box. Sorry? You just said we don't think outside the box, but then you said you think under it, above it, around it. That's outside. <clears throat> well, it's, it's a line our marketing agency came up with. Ah, oh, okay. Well, you don't think it makes sense? Well, marketing people don't tend to make much sense. Who did you use? Our longest established advertising guru here in South Mims is his Tony Filterpapadopoulos. Uh, filter just a <clears throat> Tony Phil, we call him. Isn't he in a coma? Well, he is. It was his son, Nick, who came up with it. Sorry, I'm interrupting. No, 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 it's a valid point. Well, dear listeners, you've heard the voice of our, our very marketing-aware Head of Health and Social Care here at South Mims. She's called Ginger Rice. She's the author of a new book, which is bound to be a massive bestseller, A Possum Mum and Sloth Dad, How to Raise Your Kids Right by Doing as Little as Possible, The Lazy Parenting Guidebook. It's quite a long title. People love long titles, especially Americans. Uh, <clears throat> now, just going back to that outside-the-box thing, well, how would you do it better? OK, we don't just think outside the box, we reinvent the box. Now, that's brilliant. <laughs> and it didn't cost you a thing. I'll be on the phone to Nick right after we finish this podcast. And I'm going to get my money back. I used to be in marketing, then I got bored of it. OK, OK. Now, we've sorted out marketing. Thank you, Ginger. Let's talk about your parenting theories. Now, are you really saying that the lazier a parent is the better. I am, but I don't mean lazy in the sense of feeding or caring for the physical needs of a child. I mean lazy in the sense of worrying about their academic development or their status or their ability to do something brilliantly at a precocious age. I think the best way to sum it up is that my approach is the exact opposite of the tiger mum or mom craze which still persists across a lot of the parenting discourse in both in Europe and the United States. The idea that you have to regiment kids and almost humiliate them if they fail in something, like it's a personal slight on the parent, something disrespectful to the parent if they don't get straight A's or something, or aren't playing piano or violin like a virtuoso by the time they're nine. So you make them practice, practice, practice and practice till they drop. Well, there's a quote I like from the comedian Rita Rudner, which goes, I was asking a friend who has children, what if I have a baby and I dedicate my life to it and it grows up to hate me and it blames everything wrong in its life on me? And she said, what do you mean if? Good quote. It reflects my point exactly. Do too much and your kids will blame you because, in essence, you are to blame because you did too much. But it's a parent's job to do what they can to make a child happy and to give it a great future, isn't it? Half right, half wrong. It's your job to be there, yes, for them, care for them, make their childhood happy, but it's not your job to build their future and make that a happy and fulfilled one. That's their job, not yours. So what does the opossum and the sloth have to do with it? That's a simple way of making a simple point. The opossum sleeps for 18 hours a day. The sloth sleeps a little less, but still it sleeps most of the time. 
Both of them have offspring, they do the bare minimum, and the offspring are just fine. Clever. Now, they're the animals that sleep the most. A python also sleeps 18 hours a day, but there's something about a python that's a little creepy. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, you're right. So you're saying stay in bed and your kids will raise themselves. No, I'm saying focus on what you need to do for your kids, have fun with them, let them be kids and leave the rest to them. Well, that's very simple. Uh, how is it lazy, though? It's lazy, in quotes, because the modern ideology of parenting, the tiger mum thing, is an activist ideology. It puts all the onus on the parent. The kid fails because the parent is bad. The kid succeeds because the parent is good. So, the child does not achieve something for itself. It achieves something for its parent. The child is left feeling empty. The child has not done something for the sake of it, for the love of it. They've done it to make the parent happy. And most of all, for the parent to look good to teachers, to their peers, to society in general. It's terrible. So there are no rules? Basic rules, yes. Don't be dangerous, don't be rude, do what you need to do. But not because you're trying to make the parent look good. But because it's what you should do and it's good for you as a child. Simple. But? The word lazy is a little off-putting, isn't it? Why should it be? It's a good word. Sometimes you need to be lazy. Life is short. Why strive the whole time? You only end up dead. So this is, this is a philosophy of life as well as parenting. You could say that. This kind of thinking reminds me of a book by Bruno Bettelheim, the psychoanalyst. It was called... It was called the uh, Good Enough Parent. It's a seminal book. I stole most of the ideas for myself from it. You stole them. Borrowed. Was influenced by. I was being lazy, in the best sense of the word. Lazy. Most parents won't read the book. <clears throat> it's a great book, but it's not an easy read. So I thought, I know, I'll recycle some of his ideas and attach a couple of cute animals to it. And bingo! Bestseller! Clever! <laughs> uh, lazy, but clever. Lazy is clever. Oh, there's your talent for strap lines again. The tiger mum thing is about perfection. Striving for perfection, a constant striving, <sighs> one that locks you into inevitable cycle of failure at a young age. No one can be perfect. Perfection does not exist. Perfection is about something locked in time, but time is constantly changing everything. So that what's perfect in this moment won't be perfect in the next. That means you'll always feel unsatisfied. Eventually, perfection morphs into failure. And the child knows this. The child feels it without knowing it. What Bettelheim said was that the child just does not have the same faculties as parents. Does not have the same knowledge, experience and expertise. They, they just haven't been around long enough. So when the parent tries to cram all that knowledge, expertise and experience into the child, so they don't, in quotes, make the same mistakes they did, the child just doesn't get it. The child tries to play the piano better than the parents, practising more and more. But in the end, the piano playing will always be mediocre. Because a child is not a natural virtuoso. So, no piano lessons. Yes, piano lessons. If the child wants piano lessons, and all you have to do is take the kid to the piano teacher and enable the kid to practice, but nothing else. Be lazy. Do nothing. Do the bare minimum. If the kid has a talent, the kid will find the talent and develop it. If not, they won't. Done. So, the tiger would attack the dream, but the opossum and the sloth would... Watch lazily as the dream forms itself. Nicely put. Thank you. But 
parents worry about their kids' futures. They want their kids to get straight A's or nines, as the new GCSEs have it, because they think that the world is a horribly competitive place, and if they don't get those straight A's, nines, whatever, they'll be stuck on zero-hours contracts and they'll never be able to buy a semi in St Albans. Many people on zero-hours <clears throat> contracts did get straight A's. Getting straight A's means very little if the kid can't do anything for itself because the parent did it all for them. So you're talking about the proverbial snowflakes. I hate that phrase. It puts the blame on the kids. It's the parents. They drank the competitive Kool-Aid and it doesn't make sense. You'll get a tiger mum who says practice, 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 strive for perfection and then in the next breath says you need to be self-sufficient and go out and be a self-starter. How can they do that if everything they ever did got started by their parents? Leave them to start stuff themselves. Exactly. This isn't rocket science. It's lazy rocket science. Clever, I like that. Another killer phrase. Thank you. <laughs> the point <clears throat> is not to look at your child and say, oh, what a perfect little thing. This child can be even more perfect and wonderful if I craft him or her during the years I have total influence over him or her. One... You never have total influence over a child. A child would always develop differently from you and have different ideas than yours. And two, all your crafting will backfire. Kids have an innate ability to do the opposite of what you want them to do. So why bother trying to influence or craft them directly? Be indirect. Be lazy. Do your own thing. And some of it will rub off on them. And they'll be perfect in their own way. Not perfect. Forget perfect. Perfect doesn't come into it. No one is perfect. That's the central point. You know that, but you think your child can be perfect, but they're a human being just like you. And all human beings are imperfect. So why do you expect this kid, just because they are a kid, to have the potential to be perfect? No human has the potential to be perfect. It's a myth. And it's all to do with marketing stuff to parents so they spend a fortune on educational games and books and private schools and tutors and Kuman classes and marketing materials that sell a dream of the perfect offspring. A dream that is totally unobtainable and we all know it because we all were children once and we've grown up to realise that no one is perfect so every parent that's ever been was an utter failure. I mean look at the world. What did all that activist parenting give us? Trump, Brexit, a stagnant economy, climate change, I rest my case. So laziness would cure all that? Yes, I think so. I think it will. It will raise a generation that does something positive because it's their own idea and not one that's drilled into them by a failed generation. Now you're getting a bit, a bit dark there and frankly controversial. Sorry, I sometimes fall into a rant. It's the times we live in. Well, perhaps your book is about that, the times we live in, and uh, how we can contribute to changing it through our parenting styles. Yes, I believe that's true. If we're lazier as parents, our kids will be more active as adults. Possibly. They'll be happier. If they're happier, they'll want to protect their happiness. And that means making the world a better and more secure place and they can also survive the perils of climate change. Well, that's very profound. Laziness is. As is parenting. <laughs> Only if it's lazy. The possum and the sloth go about their 
short days and sleep soundly. Their babies grow into competent adults and the cycle keeps going. If only we humans could do that. If only. Let's go back to this idea of success. We all want our children to succeed and have a prosperous future. Well, that's not a bad thing, is it? I mean, you're not saying that they shouldn't strive to do well, are you? No, not at all. If the child wants to strive, then let the child strive. Don't judge the child on results, but what they want to do and how much effort they put into it under their own steam or momentum. Sit back and watch. Sit back and let them discover what they want to do for themselves. Of course, give advice when you've asked or if they're about to do something that's obviously reckless, intervene. But actually most kids, even teens, don't truly do dangerous things. You have to err on the side of non-intervention, being lazy, but when you need to, act. And it's, uh, it's easy to judge when you need to act, I guess. It is. It's an instinct we all have to help our loved ones navigate the world. Now, in less developed cultures, they don't have this, um, this activist approach to parenting that we have in the West. Isn't that right? There's this great book called Raising Children by a professor of anthropology called David Lancey. And he shows how in most cultures, kids are left to their own devices and basically raise themselves. They're supervised, loosely, but they learn the hard way that a knife is sharp or a cooking pot is hot. And they watch adults interact with them, but aren't rigidly taught by them. And they certainly don't go to piano lessons or soccer or maths tutor across a rigid weekly schedule. They raise themselves safe in the knowledge that their parents care, that they're around, but they respect the individuality of the child itself. Which we don't. We definitely don't do. Lancey calls our, soci our society a neontocracy, which means the kids are in charge. Not because the kids make the rules, but because the parents are so focused on the kids that everything they do, a majority of their resources, emotional and financial, go into the kids in the hope of achieving this fantasy of a perfect childhood with perfect adults at the end of it. That, in effect, the child rules without wanting to rule or understanding how they do or why. Which adds more confusion to everything. And everyone, child and parent. Parents end up resenting their children. Are you sure? We've done research on it here at South Mims. Oh, OK. And what did you find? That most parents resent their kids, especially when they're older. It goes back to Bettelheim's point about perfection. No one is perfect. We believe our child will be. And when they turn out to be just like everyone else, including ourselves, we resent all the effort, emotion and money we put into the child. So... If you'd been just lazy... Positively lazy, yes. Then you'd have saved money, had fewer arguments and been satisfied that at least your kid got to adulthood without any major problems, right? Right. Of course. I must stress that children who do have problems, physical, emotional, educational, do need support and help. But the majority don't. They just need, well, it's corny, but they just need love and support and confidence. That's it. Fascinating. Ginger Rice, I'm definitely going to order a, a bunch of your books and send them out to my friends who are parents or, or are contemplating becoming parents. I think it'll change their lives. Thank you. The Possum Mum and Sloth Dad will be in the shops soon 
And if you'd like a copy direct from South Mims University, please get in contact with us and then we'll get a slice of the royalties. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> OK, OK. Well, the fact that Ginger wrote it adds to the kudos of our academic institution. Please subscribe to more podcasts and take a look at what's on offer. When it comes to learning, it pays to be hmm, lazy and just sit back and listen to South Mims. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.